It's Tuesday, December 8, 2009. Welcome to Copenhagen. The stakes are high as nations of the world meet to address global climate change. Plus, more hot air over hacked and stolen emails. All of that and more straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman of bradblog.com. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of green news and politics and snarky comments. This is terrorism. This is jihadism, environmental jihadism. Terrorism? Hyperbole much, Rush? This is your Green News Report. The Green News Report is brought to you by VelvetRevolution.us, now offering a $200,000 reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of U.S. Chamber of Commerce CEO Tom Donahue for fraud and other crimes. Demand an investigation and accountability for the Chamber's irresponsible behavior on global warming and so much more. Sign the petition at StopTheChamber.com. That's StopTheChamber.com. Okay, Des. Copenhagen is finally underway. Yes, as you may have heard, there's a little meeting in Copenhagen going on where delegates from 192 nations are negotiating a successor to the Kyoto Protocol to reduce the world's emissions of greenhouse gases from human activities that scientists say are leading to dangerous global temperature rise. Here's Danish Prime Minister Lars Luka Rasmussen. Global warming knows no borders. It does not discriminate. It affects us all. And we are here today because we are all committed to take action. There are essentially three components to the negotiations. Establishing targets for reductions, how those reductions will be measured, and allocating funding for developing nations to adapt to changes expected to come along with climate change, along with technology to help them reduce their own emissions without stifling economic growth, as outlined by UN Climate Chief Ivo de Boer. In the week ahead... The focus needs to be on crafting solid and practical proposals that will unleash prompt action on mitigation, adaptation, finance, technology, and capacity building. President Obama will attend the conference, but the timing of his visit has been changed to the end of the summit, a change that environmental groups say is important because the end of the conference is when agreements will be finalized and other major world leaders will be attending. And, of course, that's when he can show up and declare that he is enslaving the entire nation, uh, the entire globe, frankly, as uh, we've seen now reported on the uh, so-called news outlets. Yesterday alone, I was looking at the CNN, their morning show. They had uh, four clips up online. We've got this huge summit in Copenhagen for the first time going to deal with some of these real global climate change issues. And their headlines, four of them on this conference were Cloud Over Climate Summit, How Skeptics Battle Climate Theory, Climate Change Questioned, and Will Emails Affect Summit? Not exactly substantive, but uh, the right wing, the corporatists, the lobbyists have certainly sucked out the carbon dioxide, if you will, from uh, the start of this conference. And interestingly, not a word about what's actually going on at the conference. Exactly. During today's negotiations, the European Union criticized the proposed commitment of the U.S. to cut emissions 17% from 2005 levels as too low. That amounts to only 4% from 1990 levels, and the EU is committing to a 20% cut from 1990 levels. China, now the world's largest emitter overall, and India, have both committed to tie their emissions reductions to a percentage of economic output. It's called their carbon intensity. But critics point out that isn't much, since economic growth in both countries is expected to skyrocket in the next few years, and it could actually lead to increased emissions. Well, you know, I think that's the untold story here, is that even if they are successful at this summit, 
and nobody knows if they will be, the fact is any agreement they come to will probably be much less than really needs to be done, according to what the scientists are telling us. However, the critics do point out that this is the first time ever that the two biggest emitters, China and the U.S., have ever committed to specific targets. So you think that's a good sign. This may make a difference this time. The nations gathered at Copenhagen have all agreed at the outset to reach a politically binding agreement to reduce emissions, which means they have committed to signing an agreement in further negotiations in coming months that will be legally binding. Plus, it's also important to note that any international treaty must be still ratified by governments and individual countries. In the U.S., the Constitution requires U.S. Senate approval where it faces an uphill battle. Indeed, because as folks may not understand, our Constitution actually takes treaties such as these once they're ratified as the law of the land. It's also important to note that the U.S. and the international community have successfully negotiated global climate treaties before. Twenty years ago, the U.S. signed the Montreal Protocol, which successfully banned ozone-depleting chemicals and saved the ozone layer. We also successfully solved the problem of acid rain from coal-fired power plants through an international treaty that used a cap-and-trade system. Both times, industry claimed such agreements would damage the economy, but both times, actual costs were much lower than original estimates. There ain't nothing new about cap-and-trade that's has been going on and it has been working in years past as supported by Republicans even when Fox News wasn't out there telling their sycophantic listeners that this is somehow world enslavement. We will be following Copenhagen in the next two weeks. Hope you'll follow it with us here at the Green News Report on our website greennews.bradblog.com via Twitter or iTunes and despite what Rush Limbaugh tells you no, this isn't environmental jihadism. It's just the news. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your terrorist-free Green News Report.